Bing bong. I am back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. And I have a very, very special guest, Jaime Garcia. Jaime is a El Salvadorian that currently lives in Canada. And he is extremely, extremely well-versed in everything along the lines of El Salvador. So in this episode, instead of going over all the stories, we just ripped on El Salvador. It's been about a year since President Bukele made Bitcoin legal tender. So we go over all of that. The potential of Bukele going up for re-election and all the steps of that. Um, if you're a Bitcoiner, you need to know the legislation going on in Bitcoin country and just be well informed. And Jaime does everything in this episode to help you stay informed and much, much more. And he's an overall great ambassador for the space and uh, just a pleb, man, just a pleb working hard and working to spread the word. Uh, he's even doing crazy things like reading the El Salvadorian Constitution three times for his articles. So he's putting in a ton of work. So be sure to give him a follow. Read all his articles that he posts on Bitcoin Magazine because he's an outstanding, outstanding writer that, like I said, is just putting in the work like the rest of us plebs. And so on that note, just remember everything you hear in this episode is not financial advice. It's strictly the opinion of myself and Jaime. And it's not financial advice. But on that note, let's get into the episode. Whoosh. Bing bong. We are live with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast. But first, for those listening in on Fountain or any of the podcasting 2.0 apps, I really appreciate those who have sent me boosts. And I'm going to read a couple of the boosts from the last episode. Um, so Mark Coverna, uh, I don't, I'm not sure. Mark over NA maybe, uh, is how you say it. I, he says merge your customer, not me. And, uh, he also said with the merge with the Ethereum merge, it essentially has copied the traditional financial system, which I agree with a hundred percent. And then Bobo tummy said great content. So I appreciate those boosts and uh, please keep them coming in. I'm working really hard uh, on these podcasts. I'm bringing on great guests and hopefully bringing on some content to keep you guys coming back. So let me know what you think on those and leave me some reviews on wherever you're listening to podcasts. But I've got a very, very special guest. I've got Jaime Garcia, who is probably one of the most well-versed in the Bitcoin space when it comes to everything else Salvador. So Jaime, how you doing today? Hey, Brendan, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. Um, and yeah, super excited to uh, contribute in whatever way I can. So I wouldn't consider myself as an expert. I keep telling everybody uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a plebeian, just like most Bitcoiners. And, you know, I just have a, a regular nine to five job. I pay my bills and uh, I, you know, if there's a little bit extra at the end of the month, I, I stack. But otherwise, you know, my my main uh, jobs in life are, are being a, a, a good father and a husband. That's awesome stuff, man. And that's, that's great. And that's the great thing about Bitcoin is I feel like almost everybody has like a nine to five job and is just contributing to Bitcoin, the space and any way they can on the side. Um, so let's take it back. How did you find Bitcoin and uh, what kind of got you started in this whole Bitcoin world? 
Yeah, you know, I, I've heard about Bitcoin for a little while now, like we, um, you know, being in um, in a bit of this uh, industry, I was a web designer for uh, a, a large part of my professional life, um, always being on top of everything that's going on in technology. I heard of Bitcoin, um, you know, way back in the day, but, you know, regretfully, I was one of those people who always... Um, said that they would look into it after and never did. And really it was um, just uh, when Bukele announced that he was uh, going to run for president and he was blocked. And then he tweeted that, you know, the uh, that he would use Bitcoin. That's back in 2017. That's when I was like, wait, what? What is this guy saying? Who is this guy? You know, and. And so I had another opportunity to look into it and never did. I was more kind of intrigued by like what he was saying than by Bitcoin itself. And and then, um, but yeah, it was uh, in 2021, I'm class of 2021, when um, they made the announcement that it was going to become legal tender. My dad came up to me and he's like, what is this all about? Can you figure it out for me? Like, you know. And I said, yeah, sure. So I went down the rabbit hole, um, not really knowing what I was getting myself into. I was lucky enough to stumble upon people who pointed me the right way. Uh, and I, I'm proud to say that um, I never delved into, uh, you know, shit coins. <laughs> so, um and uh, yeah, I've been a, a maxi from day one, which is I'm really super fortunate about it. And and yeah, uh, that's that's kind of how I entered into the space. And I was always uh, sort of uh, learning, lurking in, in the background, just nodding my head, going to do more research about it until people started weighing in about El Salvador this, El Salvador that, the other thing. And I'm like, wait, that that's not true. <laughs> We're like, ah, that's not quite correct. And so, you know, in Twitter spaces, I started to gather the courage to um, speak up, speak up and just sort of say my piece and, you know, uh, not trying to convince anybody or anything about it, but just provide a Salvadoran perspective. And, and, you know, like it, Salvadorians, we, most of us speak Spanish and, uh, you know, um, that's our first language. And so, especially in Twitter spaces, there aren't many English speaking Salvadorians that might intervene. And so I almost felt like, you know, even though, um, you know, I'm also a Canadian, I felt like it felt it was my duty to speak up and, and sort of uh, at least share my perspective, right? So yeah, and I always enjoy when you come into the Twitter spaces and talk a lot about, you know, El Salvador, what's going on there. And I always appreciate your perspective. Um, and, you know, I, I do really enjoy your articles as well. You've written for a, a couple for Bitcoin Magazine. So, you know, how, how did you kind of stumble upon that? And, you know, how have those articles been received? Because you've written a couple, um, you know, articles on El Salvador and you actually wrote your last one um, uh, about you know, Bukele's potential re-election, which we'll get into in a second. But, you know, how overall has that been 
received and how has that opportunity kind of, uh, I guess, opened some doors for you? Yeah, you know, my regular nine to five job, um, uh, you know, I, I lead a, a small team of researchers and we base a lot of our our findings for, for you know, my employer based on, on data where, you know, if we're not sure or we're not certain about something, then, you know, we, we make our best um, um, estimates, right? But we base everything on data. And, and I think that that's forced me to um, become, you know, a better writer. I'm not saying that I'm a good writer, but a better writer than I used to be, especially when you are presenting complex issues to, uh, to an audience that may not be familiar with it and may not even care. Like, you know, spe- like the, the type of reports that I write, um, people are wanting to make big time decisions on. They want to, they want to do the, the three or four things that they should know about to move forward. And, um, and they want to know that I've done my due diligence in, in making that research and that it's solid, that there's a sound methodology and so on. So, so I think that I had like a, a natural skill there and, and I, I don't even know how it came about. I think like I reached out to, um, yeah, there was just a lot of FUD and I'm like, oh man, I feel like I should write something and I was going to write something on Medium. And I think I was in a space and somebody said, hey, you should talk to like so-and-so over at Bitcoin Magazine. Maybe they'll publish that. Because I was I was ready to like hit publish on Medium and and then, you know, and so then I reached out to to the guys over at Bitcoin Magazine and and they're like they were really cool actually because like like I would say that like if you are an aspiring writer if you just want to get something off your chest like reach out to Bitcoin Magazine or whoever like even publish it yourself right and uh, but those guys were really good because like I mean like again I'm I'm just a dude. And they're like, yeah, let's see what you got. You know, give us a proposal about what you want to write. So I send them a bit of an outline. They took a look at it. They're like, this is cool. Okay, let's uh, let's see what you got. I wrote something. They were pretty happy with it. They're like, let's see how it does. And so I got good feedback on Twitter. I got good feedback on other channels. Um, and then... Um, you know, they, they themselves said like, yeah, it's getting good engagement. So good job. You know, if you, if you come up with another idea, then, then, you know, let us know. So I came up with another idea. Then they've asked me to write a couple things as well. And so, you know, I'm, I'm up to five articles now. So, um, and yeah, like I'm having a lot of fun with it. I think that uh, sometimes you can't say everything that, that you need to say in a space or even in, in, in a podcast as a as an invited guest. So I think that, you know, I the writing for me is a bit of a channel because then like I get it off my chest. You know, I can sleep better, rest easy and say like at least it's out there. Right. And people people can and then people people I, I like the engagement afterwards because people will be like, I everything you say is bullshit. I disagree with you. And that's fine. And, or, hey, I this is my favorite. No, not even like I agree with you because, okay, yeah, sure, cool. But I've learned something new. And for me, like that's so rewarding. That's like that's 
that's a bit of a runner's high, you know, like I, when somebody tells me I've learned something new, I'm like, yes, hallelujah. Like, I mean, that's, you know, a lot of people want to find purpose in life. I, mean, I don't think we all have like one purpose, but, you know, definitely many purposes. And like one of my many purposes in life is to teach others, right? Um, in my personal life, I, I love coaching soccer. I've got many certifications and I've done well in my life. That's something that I don't share very often, but I do well. I, my teams win championships. They they lose games. But the most rewarding thing about uh, that is when kids learn, when I teach them and they learn and and they enjoy the game. Right. So for me, writing is is uh, is the same. It's like I, I write it. I get it off my chest. People read it. And if they learn like to me, that's like. That's 110%. Like, I, I love that. That's awesome, man. That is, yeah. I and mean, your, your works are absolutely great. And uh, yeah, I mean, feel free to spit whatever you want here. I mean, uh, no holding back, of course. But uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's get into this last article. So you dove into the potential of Bukele uh, getting reelected. And I know that that's not a normal occurrence. In fact, on the constant of El Salvador, I think it says that you cannot be, um, you know, you kind of have to jump through some loops and bounds in order to get reelected. So why don't you go into some of that and, uh, you know, overall, um, you know, what the process is in order for Bukele to potentially get reelected? Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I'd encourage everybody to read the article because it'll have a lot of the details and I actually source a lot of what what I'm saying. Right. But, um, you know, I was one of those people who definitely thought that um, under the Salvadoran Constitution, uh, only a single five year term was possible. Now, some people may disagree and they still believe that, that that's the case. But what happened was, uh, and, and even Bukele himself had gone on record saying, it's a five-year term, I'm not going to seek re-election. And what many people thought was that he was actually going to change the constitution, which in my article I point out that it, it's pretty, it's it's almost impossible for him to change the constitution in time for him to get re-elected, right? Um, and so, but what happened was that um, last year in 2021, there were uh, legislative assembly elections. So that's basically like in uh, in the U.S. It's like Congress or Senate elections, right? And um, El Salvador doesn't have a Senate. It just has like the equivalent of a Congress and, and that's it, right? So you have your executive power, which is the president. You have your uh, legislative power, which is kind of like the Congress. And of course, you have the third pillar, which is your, your judicial system, right? So so what happened was that there was elections for the Legislative Assembly, and, um, and a candidate, um, her name is Nancy uh, Martinez, uh, she was running a, for the constituency of San Salvador. And like in any normal election, you know, candidates kind of promote themselves and they do the, the media rounds and, and, you know, Nancy uh, was interviewed by, by a local uh, newspaper, it was a digital newspaper, so El Mundo. And so El Mundo asked Nancy a series of questions. One of those questions is like, Nancy, if 
you know, if there was a bid for Naib Bukele re-election, you know, would you support President Bukele to get re-elected? So Nancy, of course, answers, oh, of course, yes, I, I will support him. Like, you know, look what he's done. You know, we're we're very happy, you know. And I should point out that Nancy's not running for President Bukele's party, so which his, his party's new ideas, right? Um, and, and Bukele himself, when he got elected, didn't get elected under new ideas because the the electoral authority actually disqualified him from running with that party. So he ran for another party called Ghana, right? The, the Great National Alliance, right? So this candidate is running for the Great National Alliance, which is kind of like a coalition member of his, of the people that support him, right? So, so she says that, and about a few weeks later, the constitutional lawyer actually says, well, Nancy has violated the Constitution by promoting the re-election of the president, right? And he cites Article 72.4, which is kind of where, where that, where that, where it actually says that, you know, anybody who basically promotes the re-election of the president um, it loses their citizens' rights. So <clears throat> words matter, right? And the Constitution is basically a document with a lot of words, right? The re-election of the president, right? Okay, so, and they, they lose their citizen rights, right? So then the, the Supreme Court takes this inter takes this case looks at it and it's a very serious case because if they're going to take people's uh, uh, constitutional or, or citizenship rights away it's you know it it not only set the president for what's going to happen into the future but you know you, you're putting this individual out of their rights right and so um this guy, his name is, um, um, I believe uh, his name is, um, I want to say Ernesto Anaya. I can't, can't remember uh, quite his name, uh, but his last name is Anaya. Uh, so this An Anaya character, um, uh, Enrique Anaya, that's his name. Yeah. So this, he's, he's a Bukele detractor for sure. Like that's, you know, he's uh, been known to not like Bukele or anything he stands for. So he, he he has a long track record of putting uh, lawsuits and and you know charges against it, anything he does constitutional charges. So, so this is one more to add to to the pile. So what he was trying to do is actually disqualify or discourage this lady Nancy Martinez from running in the election, so that you know it would be easier for you know one one of the candidates he was supporting for the traditional parties to get in. So the, the Supreme Court comes back and says, well, no, we're not going to disqualify her. She can still run, but if we do find that she's in violation of the Constitution, if she is successful in her bid, uh, we're we're going to take away her you know her rights and her. Uh, in her office if we find her guilty. And, um, and so all this kind of background leads the, the constitutional chamber of the Supreme Court to look at the case and say, 
if we take her rights, it's a very serious thing. So we got to be very thorough in looking at, at all of this, right? What does it mean? So they decide, first of all, the evidence that Enrique uh, Anaya has put forward lacks objectivity and it lacks credibility. So, okay, so strike one. Then they go into it and they say, okay, but, you know, like, are we going to jail anybody who says, yes, let's reelect the president, especially if, like, people feel that he's doing a good job? It may be a perfectly reasonable thing for a citizen to say. And not every citizen is aware that, well, they may be aware that, that you know, or they have the perception that it's one term. They may not be aware that... Um, this is actually a penalty to actually just say that, right? So then they look at it and say, well, no, like, and we guarantee free speech and any of the other articles that in the constitution that basically go against that are invalid. People can express their desires, even if they're not allowed by the constitution without fear of, you know, being jailed. Now, Let's think about this, for example, right, where a lot of people think, well, El Salvador is like this dictatorship and it's oppressive. And it's like, well, what what the court is saying here is like, yeah, we don't want to go down this road of like El Salvador being anti-free speech and people can't actually say what they feel. So, yeah, this is this is perfectly okay to say. But then, like, you know. Supreme courts often in any country, they go deep into things because they got to like look everything from, from every angle and they say, but like, why would she say that? Like, you know, and, and like, you know, what, what does the, you know, cause they have to evaluate this, right? Like, is there even a possibility that there is a reelection uh, that, that, that the president can be reelected? And they come to this conclusion they said, no. In fact, the Constitution says that the president cannot be reelected. That is very clear. The president cannot be reelected, and the president cannot remain beyond one day, not one day beyond their, their term, right? But, they said, if the president steps down from the presidency, and runs as a candidate, they can get re they can get elected for a second term. So, and that's what's key about it is that the the term re-election doesn't really come into the whole equation because they have to they have to step down and not be re-elected as the president. They have to like basically leave their position, not have any influence, and become almost like another a citizen again, right? And so in Article 72.1, it says, it sets out the criteria for who can be a candidate. And this is where they get it from. Well, who can be a candidate? Well, <clears throat> actually, it's who cannot be a candidate, right? It's not who can be a candidate, who cannot be a candidate. Those who have served in the immediately, in the immediate previous term, right? 
So that means not the current term, which Naib Bukele is serving, but the immediately previous term. That means the term before. So, for example, the previous president, Sanchez Seren, he wouldn't be able to, to serve because he was president in the previous, in the immediate previous term. But the current term, that's where Bukele is, he can serve, but he can't be a candidate as a president. So, because that's that's right there in the law. So the other stipulation is that you can't be president in the six months preceding the new term, right? So, and that's kind of where, where the opportunity or the path to a second term for Bukele is revealed. And, and it's that he can seek a permission from the legislative assembly to exonerate him from the position so that he can run just a regular citizen without the advantage of incumbency or using the states of the resources of the state to gain an advantage over any other candidate. I talked to a constitutional expert. Uh, um, his, his name is uh, Arturo. Arturo. Um, and, and the thing is, like, we all have two last names in, in, in El Salvador because <laughs> we, we, you know, like, there's so many Martinez and so many Fernandez that you have to go with two names to identify which one of, which which Martinez and Fernandez. So, so Arturo Mendez Azar, he was one of the authors of the, uh, so I, like, I was, like, wondering, it's like, who can tell me, like, if, who can break this down for me? So I went straight to this source, one of the, 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 the authors of the Constitution of 1983, which is the, the one that we're, we're currently, that is in currently in force. And, and at the time, uh, Mendes Cesar, he was, he was the Minister of Justice and actually one of the people in the, um, in the working team for, for drafting a new constitution for El Salvador. And, uh, and he confirms this. He, he says, look, um, yeah, this is true. And so I, I asked him, well, if, if, you know, cause I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm like, okay, this, what's going on here? And, and so it's like, look, I mean, here's the problem. He says, people, they need to read, <laughs> need to read the document. Okay. Points for reading, points for reading and, 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 and actually knowing what, what, you know, the terms that are in a document mean, you know, the immediately previous term is not the current term. It's the one before. In six months before the, the new term, six months before the new term, which means that if the president needs to step down to run as a civilian, not in the office, the Constitution allows for that. And so I said, ah, that seems like, a, you know, like little maneuvering, little loophole. And he's like, that's not what it is. Or, you know, he's, and he said, look, we, we made some errors in drafting the last Constitution. We'll admit that. But this was not one of them. This was quite intentional. Our intention was not make it difficult to seek a second mandate. Our intention was to make it difficult for people who didn't deserve a second mandate to get a second mandate. And he said to me, think about this. Of all the presidents that we've had since the last constitution, which one would go to the people 
to the People's Legislative Assembly and ask for an exoneration to leave office to, to leave office six months early, okay, and to expose yourself and risk not winning to run again for that chance, right, to, to run again. You know, you would have to have a lot of confidence. You'd have to have, like, basically – you know, the, yeah, the confidence of the people to, to be able to do that. Right. And so, so, you know, Ernesto says, uh, says uh, Arturo, sorry, says to me, that's what he needs to do. He, he needs to go to the assembly, seek this permit. Then he steps down, then he can run. And the six months we put in there specifically for that. So that, no one in that position of president can have the advantage of the state to to promote prop propaganda or to do special social programs right before or anything like that. They would have to run on the record previous to that, and they would have to do it and, and seek the, the 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 mandate from the people. And the thing is that it's not a re-election. You know, and it's not automatic and it's not immediate because now there's a gap. There is alternability The either the vice president or or a delegate from the assembly uh, um, that is assigned by the assembly serves as a president. And so, you know, you have alternability there because somebody else is serving. But also alternability, according to the ruling, comes in through um, the people of El Salvador through a freely uh, through a free election process, um, having the choice to choose any of the candidates who put their name forward, and having the choice that if Bukele has has not done a good job or has not won the confidence of of the people, that he can be voted out as well. Or well, I mean not voted out because technically at that point he's not the president, but you know what I'm saying? Like he can't be in there for a second term. So then, so then I, I read the ruling from start to finish. Not easy, man. I I'm not a constitutional expert and I know why most people don't read this documents. They're hard. They're boring. It, took me 45 minutes to read it once and I read it three times over the last five weeks because I mean by the way this ruling has been in place since last September so you know we've kind of known that that this was going to happen anyway so I and so uh but when you read it you know it basically there's one point in there and it strictly prohibits a third term because under the, the document, there's absolutely no possibility that you could seek a third term. Say, for example, Bukele gets in the next one, you know, um, he could not run on the one after that because then he would be, he would have been president in the immediate previous term. And then some people said, well, he took a gap of six months in there, you know, like like that, you know, that. And so that that's the loophole. And, 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 and basically it's not because the term is for five years. The term is for five years. And if you are either part of it for, for more than six months or more, you qualify as being part of that term. So that 
loophole supposedly is closed for a third term and they prohibit it on there. So so there's so you would only get one more chance if he does that. But but you know, and Mendes Azahar was emphatic with me. It's like I don't like it when people and you know, this is the one of the guys that wrote it. He's like, I don't like it when people say re-election of the president because that is actually forbidden. That's actually forbidden. It's the election of Naibu Kele for a second term once he is civilian, once he doesn't once he doesn't have the privilege of that position anymore. Like you basically, you know, you know a lot of people in El Salvador are very religious. They they use a lot of you know um, religious metaphors, but you know he uses his metaphors like you know he he comes down, you know as as. Um, he comes down from, you know, from from having this superior authority and becomes one of the herd, you know, one of the herd, and and, and he has to seek that that position again from the herd and not from the position of power, right? So it's and he said it's a humbling process to step down to to be one of the herd and then you know try to seek that confidence again. I know I took a really long time to go through that, but I just felt that it was worthwhile explaining the timeline of how it came to be to that. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And I, I agree with you hundred percent. And yeah, if everybody, you know, should definitely check out your article, you put in a lot of work for it, obviously, and you're very well versed in the subject. So I appreciate you going through all of that is it, it was great. Um, but I want to ask your opinion. It's been about a year since Bitcoin has become legal tender and obviously, Bukele's done a lot of things outside of making Bitcoin legal tender. And it's it's a very humbling thing, like you said, to kind of step down. So, you know, it, it, it also takes a lot of confidence to kind of make a move like this. Uh, so, I, I mean, how is he being received in El Salvador? And uh, what's your overall opinion of Bukele and, uh, you know, his time uh, as president of El Salvador? Well, people like him. There's no doubt about that. Even his opposition admits that, um, you know, his critics, um, you know, acknowledge that they, they said, like, I listened to one of the spaces that um, of, of his opposition, they were trying to organize, they were deflated. They were like, oh, this, this is horrible, they said, like, because, well, everybody likes him. Everybody likes him. And, and, you know, and then they, uh, there's this very uh, famous lawyer from El Salvador there. She was on there. She's very influential among that group. And she says, you know, we have an education problem in this, in this country. And, and that's why we're, we are where we are. <clears throat> First thing that I thought is like, man, you guys have had like, what 40 years to address this education problem and now that things aren't going your way that now it matters right <laughs> okay sure i acknowledge that we have an education problem and it's like and she's like you know the people are so dumb she says like the people of el salvador are so dumb that they're gonna reelect them again because they think that everything he's doing is amazing and they're so dumb that, you know, whatever he tells them, they listen and and he's just going to get 
elected again. And oh my God, it's just terrible. You know, we've failed ourselves because we, you know, our people are just so ignorant. And the whole time I'm thinking, lady, you guys are in a jam. And the first thing you do is blame the people who are supposed to get you elected. And you tell them that they're dumb. And this is how you think that you're going to form a coalition that is going to vote for you by telling them that, that, that they're morons and because they believe anything. Look, you know, I've heard this and I don't exactly believe in it. But I've, I've heard it said many times, and it's like people deserve the government that they vote for, right? <laughs> and it's like, well, I mean, and if, if, it's so, if it's so dire for people, if it's so bad, then they deserve it. The reality is that people like Bukele because they're seeing results. Bread and butter issues. Bitcoin doesn't even come close to being one of them. The most important issue in El Salvador and the reason why he's going to win is because security is better. If that starts to falter from now until the next election, that's when the, 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 you know, the other party will have a chance. But not necessarily because things are going well uh, badly, but because they have to actually offer a better solution, right? That's why people like him, because he's actually addressing the number one concern for people. People aren't free if every day they have to worry about being shaken down, if they're worried about getting killed, if they're worried about, you know, losing uh, a, a relative or, you know, getting hurt from somebody else, right? And... and and criminality really and he's addressing that issue people feel it people say it i hear it every day from normal people so when they form their spaces and they start insulting the population it's like guys you're doing it to yourself because i, I do acknowledge that you know a good up a good strong opposition often is often a good thing in a democratic society but they I mean, <laughs> they're, you know, they're not very smart for claiming that they are the, the intelligentsia and, and, and smart and that they're the educated ones. They do themselves disservice. And this is why he enjoys a 95% uh, approval. And I just want to make something clear. I'm not promoting Bukele, okay? Uh, it, I think some, some folks at Bitcoin Magazine told me, hey, listen, um, just be careful because they... They think you're you're paid chill for Bukele. You know, I can categorically say no. And if they came to me and they said, like, look, keep writing and keep going on 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 podcasts to talk positively about Bukele, I would absolutely say no, and I would tell you guys all about it. It's like, oh, this these are the dirty tricks that they're pulling. Now I'm in and I I've had plenty of criticism for the Bukele government. They you know they other than security, there's a lot of garbage in, in, in the street. There's a huge garbage problem in the street that they need to address. Now, not just they alone. I think us as Salvadoran need to take some accountability for that. Traffic problems, um, they're doing well in infrastructure. I, I'll give them that much, okay? But uh, 
we have um, we have a, a big health problem, okay, and not necessarily uh, um, the health infrastructure with the hospitals or whatever, but but we are sadly are we have so many delicious dishes in El Salvador, amazing, <laughs> not often healthy for you, okay. We, we need be to better educate ourselves about the foods that we're eating and what we're consuming so we have a healthy population. So th there's a lot of things that this government needs to do, right? But they're addressing the most important issues. You can't address them all at once. And so they're, they're being strategic about what they do, and they're doing that well, and that's why he's, he's popular. Plus, the opposition doesn't do them any favors, so... Well, there is a lot of critics out there. And, uh, you know, I actually saw you got in a little bit of a Twitter spat today with Alex Gladstein um, because he tweeted, you know, on Bukele, the positives being Bitcoin adoption, telling off the IMF, volcano mining, stranding or stranded energy bonds, tourism up. But the negatives were mass arrests without warrants, detaining tens of thousands without charge, suspending civil liberties, defying constitution to extend power and spying on dissidents and yeah you kind of went back and forth with him on there and uh you know it seems like he's using some intense tactics to kind of combat the gang violence um so what do you kind of have to say to the critics there where he's using these tactics because um you know i guess i'll get into my opinion after you kind of go on the riff and yeah and everything that's sure there. yeah I, so i just want to say that you know I, I like alex and i think that we we are are in alignment on, on a lot of things. Uh, there are some key things that, that he does not align with, with me and, and that's okay. Uh, we, we don't all have to think the same way. I think the role that he plays in challenging authority is, is a good one. Um, but you know, my main argument, and I'll, I won't say anything else about Alex now because he's not here to defend, you know, his, his viewpoint, but, uh, you know, um, my alone my, my statement that would stand alone is 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 this is like you have to start somewhere right you have to start somewhere and you have to address that one issue that is the most important for people and uh, and if i you know the way that we envision a liberal democracy with full freedoms is is a very well idealistic society el salvador is far from that we've had a very bloody, a very, you know, oppressive history. And, um, you know, we have resourceful, entrepreneurial, inge ingenious people. We have, we, we actually have the first Salvadorian astronaut uh, going into space. Uh, you know, we're very proud of him, you know. And we want to celebrate our successes, but as a society, we've been oppressed. And I'm not talking about being oppressed like, oh man, like we're, we're, cause part of our problem is that victim mentality. And what happens is that when you move from having a victim mentality to having a growth mentality, you're going to have a lot of people pulling you back, say, no, it's way better to be a victim. It's way better to get handouts. It's way, you know, it's it's way better to, you know, have these, you know, um, collectivist ideals, you know, than, than, than take a risk and, you know, rely on 
on, on the markets and, and on competition and, you know, which, and I'm not saying crony capitalism, I'm saying true free market where, where people can thrive, right? And so, but we're not there yet. We got to get there. I often use Maslow's hierarchy of needs where at the bottom of the pyramid, you have like air, water, food. Like that's where we are, okay? Then it comes like shelter, security. That's where we are. Then we can have, you know, love, relationships, all of that, right? And then then we get to like aspirations, professional uh, goals. And then at the top of the pyramid is like, well, I can run for president, right? Some folks think that we are the top of the pyramid. We got to get there. We got to get there. Okay. The people that are being put in jail are not nice people. If they were, crime would have stayed at the same level, but it's not. It's it's gone down massively and people feel secure. Okay. I will say this much. A lot, a lot of young men mostly join gangs because of the lack of opportunity. I don't like in and I hope that you know the majority of them can rehabilitate themselves back into a productive member and a compassionate member of Salvadoran society into the future. You know, human rights are very important to me. But we're not there yet, okay? And and so and the people who created this problem, well, first of all, the Clinton, the Bill Clinton administration by sending a lot of the you know East LA uh, migrants that exported the, the gang war to El Salvador, right? And full disclosure, I'm I'm an LA Dodgers fan, so you know, uh, but that's where it came from, right? And then the FMLN and Arena and all those other parties that were accomplices to the gangs flourishing in that environment where it, did, where, it, where it did not provide opportunities to young men to be productive, to feel proud of their country, to, to feel like, to have an opportunity, right? We had a chance to fix it and we blew it because they were ransacking the country. And that's what I need the human rights activists to know, okay? Now, somebody has to have the courage to clean up that mess. You don't want young people in, in jail. It, it comes at a cost. It's not free to put them in there and feed them and all of that, right? Now, having said that, now that they're there, there's a program for them to build desks for the schools, to, to, to farm, to create their own uh, food because... We can't be shipping and, 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 and giving them all this. So they're, they're going to be productive members and, and create their own sustenance in, within jails. There's a program called Zero Idleness, it's called. Um, and, um, and, and that's already implemented in, in the jail. So they're not just there sitting and, and getting beat up like it's shown on CNN and all these other news organizations. So the whole story is not being told, but that's okay. That's okay. I, I you know, I know, right? Uh, are there abuses? 
by one-off police members that that you know probably I will I will acknowledge that J- just just like Lloyd Flo- uh, like Floyd or excuse me I don't know my American politics well but you know that poor man that that, that died in in Minnesota right there's police brutality everywhere in the world okay it, it's not like we El Salvador's perfect about that. I'm I'm sure there is. And if there is, then it should not be impugned. It should be persecuted. And and so, but for the most part, the majority of those people that are in jail, they're people who, who deserve to be in jail right now. Yeah, and I hear you. And I mean, it seems like too, like there are some detractors, but for the most part, it seems pretty positive. Like we even had... Um, you know, Bukele get on Tucker Carlson and Fox News in the United States. And Tucker was kind of uh, going in on, you know, the current, uh, I guess, issues in the United States and cities like Baltimore and some of these others that are, you know, very crime ridden cities and saying like, you know, maybe we should take notes out of uh, what El Salvador is doing because of how successful they've been at, uh, you know, getting crime off the streets and kind of making that country safer. And so, you know, although there are some detractors, it does seem, you know, like overall outside of even just the Bitcoin space, he's done a very good job with El Salvador. And, uh, you know, it, it, like you said, I think at a certain point, you got to say enough is enough and the current system isn't working. So you have to kind of find a way to, um, you know, make it work and, and bring down crime. And it's been successful. You can't argue with the results. Right. So, I mean, I think for the people of El Salvador, um, he got a lot of popularity internationally with Bitcoin becoming legal tender. But I think like, you know, overall, he's just making El Salvador a better place for people that for the El Salvadorians and for people to even come and visit. I mean, we're seeing tourism skyrocket and everything else too. So, um, you know, I hope these measures continue and, uh, you know, I'm very bullish on El Salvador going forward and, um, yeah, I mean, just w- what do you think of, I guess, the overall exposure he's getting as well? Because now we're not only getting, you know, Bukele on Tucker Carlson, we're getting, uh, you know, I, I believe uh, Kamala Harris even said some negative things about him as well. So, I mean, before it was one of those things where you'd never really talk about El Salvador, but now it seems like everybody has somewhat of an opinion on El Salvador and, and their politics and what everything's going on down there. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, and if we just maybe uh, rewind a little bit back to like, you know, Bitcoin and just like a positive business environment, you know, if 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 you are a Bitcoin company um, wanting to be in the only country where Bitcoin is truly one of the legal tenders in the country uh, and not like some of these other fake Bitcoin republics, right? Um, then you want to know that and you do your, your you know, your traditional Enviro scan of the country. You're going to take all the pros and cons. You're going to look at, okay, well, you know, hurricane season's a bit iffy. So if I set up, I, I want an office, you know, that that's not exposed to that. There's earthquakes. Uh, you know, maybe there's some infrastructure uh, issues with running water or reliable electricity. So, you know, and then you're, you're like, okay, I can live with all that. And, and then the, the pros are like, 
all good weather, you know, quality of life. And then you think, well, oh, really, is that the whole story? Because like over in the cons, there's crime, high criminality. And then, you know, I'm like, maybe I don't want to invest in that country. Like it may, like that's a big deterrent, right? So, so you have to address that issue in order to make a positive business environment for people to come in, right? And, and like the other thing is like the mood of the country, culture, thinking positively about it, you know, like, like it's the place to be, it's the place to, to, you know, like there's a good vibe there, right? People feel proud to be there, right? And pretty soon, like what happens is like even the people who are like crime was the easy thing, the, the better incentive because, you know, that's, that's how I could earn money. Now that's no longer possible because criminality is severely punished, okay? Not freedoms, criminality, okay? And you have a booming and thriving economy, which, you know, now you can be like, well, you know, like, hey, I could be a tour guide. I could take people around the country. Like, there's more than just El Zante, okay? Like, there's, like, beautiful beaches that are virgin, unexplored. I could, like, go and, like, you know, not everybody's going to have a big budget. You can focus in a niche market of, like, backpackers and campers and camp by the beach. Now there's an opportunity for young people to become entrepreneurs, to think outside the box, where the incentive of actually earning money, having tips, getting loyal clients, and, and building your business is a lot better than the, than the incentive of, of living in criminality and earning your keep that way, right? And so, so like, when we think about the business environment, it's, it, it's a must, you, you, like, it's, it's a must address, right? And, and, and so what Bukele is doing and the exposure that he's showing and some of the things that he's getting criticizing for, he's basically saying to them, look, uh, let us do our thing. Okay. Like if you're one of these 21 presidents who wrote a letter against what Bukele is doing, just think back about the stuff that you did when you were president of your country and how many people suffered. Okay how much money you ransack out of those countries, okay? And, you know, and I, I would say if you're, like, somebody like Camilla Harris, too, like, um, like, are there not enough issues in the U.S. that you're going to go tell the smallest country in, in the, you know, in, in Central America how to run their own affairs? Like, give them a respite of maybe... 20 years without meddling in their internal affairs and then check back. Maybe you can learn some lessons or maybe it's the evidence that you need to go and intervene. Right. Yeah. And I mean, like you said, it's interesting. It's like the smallest country in, in Central America. And for some reason now it's a point of topic and that must mean like, you know, they're scared of, of the development or, or something along those lines. And, I mean, like you said, the United States has their own issues. I mean, we just raised interest rates again, 75 basis points, and it seems like they're going to keep aggressively raising interest rates to try to, 
you know, quote unquote, combat inflation, and they're not going to stop until it's finished. And, you know, it's killing all these other fiat currencies and killing all these other, uh, you know, nations who are uh, dealing with, you know, a lot of these issues when they were using the dollar as the as their, uh, you know, nation's currency. So, you know, El Salvador is, is a perfect example, right? So they were using uh, the dollar before they made Bitcoin legal tender. Obviously, the dollar is still legal tender there as well. But, uh, I mean, there they uh, there was massive amounts of stimulus, massive amounts of loans giving out to businesses in America. But countries like El Salvador, who are using the dollar, don't face any of the benefits. They only get all the negatives. Um, and so, you know, it's continuing policies like that is just going to keep those countries down. And, uh, you know, I think overall, Bukele is doing a lot of positives for, uh, you know, El Salvador. And, you know, I keep I, I can't say it enough. I mean, I think like he's he's got it on the right track. And, uh, you know, I hope to continue to see a lot of this development. You know, we saw he, he's investing a lot into El Zante, Bitcoin Beach to kind of help with that infrastructure and development. And yeah, like yes. you said, I, I bet there's a ton more too to kind of do that, uh, to kind of develop that country as well. And so, yeah, I mean, hopefully all the investments and everything, um, people bringing businesses over to El, El Salvador as well, I think is uh, super encouraged. I know I spoke to somebody here at a Tampa Bitcoin meetup um, who went down to El Salvador and they're, they're considering moving their business down there as well. Because if you're a business that's in El, El Salvador, but you conduct business elsewhere. So if you have like a business that's kind of like remote or something, you pay tax, you don't pay any, uh, business tax. Um, but if you have a business in El Salvador and you, you know, of course conduct business within El Salvador, you pay some taxes. So, I mean, it, it they're making it very incent or they're bringing a lot of incentives to drive businesses there. And I think just overall, Bitcoiners are just going to kind of flock there, right? I mean, we saw a lot of moving with your feet in the United States with, um, you know, a lot of these policies for the past couple of years. So I wouldn't be surprised to see more people kind of flock to El Salvador. Are you kind of seeing that? Like a lot of people um, that you know, or yeah. maybe in the Bitcoin space kind of starting to flock there and businesses kind of coming down there just because of the job that Bukele is doing? 100%. I know, I, I know of at least two people who have bought properties, uh, vacation properties down there, and they ho hopefully they, they have the hopes to making it permanent. Uh, I know a lot of people who are there. I know a lot of people who were there and plan to be there. So like, you know, these people weren't going down there before. This is a, that additional money that they're uh, injecting into the, into the economy. Um, I, I want to, I know we're uh, running up against time here, but I just want to, sort of leave you with a few things that just just to look for you know if Bukele decide well he's announced that he will but in order to seek the uh, a candidacy he has to be able to register himself uh, with the uh, Supreme Electoral Tribunal um, and he has to do that uh, six months before the next term so look for some sort of um not resignation but some sort of permit or exoner exoneration uh for him to leave the presidency to to run also look to see who his running mate is because they'll be 
stepping down from their duties a year before the new term begins. So if it's one of the people in the assembly, they'll be stepping down before. If it's his running mate, that the, the vice president, then they'll both be stepping down at the same time. And then El Salvador will have a new president for six months. That is not either the current president or the vice president. So, you know, just so that you guys aren't surprised when you're like, Bukele is no longer the president. Like, you know, that's probably going to happen, right? And, um, and yeah, like that, th those are things to sort of uh, be aware and um, that, that are going to happen. Look for it not to be easy. He's, there's probably going to be a time where you're, it's probably going to be almost impossible and it looks like he may not actually get to run because despite what people think, everything is against him right now. Now we have a question from the Canadian Bitcoiners in the crowd. Is it expected that the VP may run in place or uh, kind of take that role? Or do you think that he's going to kind of, you know, do exactly like you described, kind of resign as well um, to, to run with Bukele potentially again? Yeah, we don't know that. And I, I don't think that, um, that we'll, we'll know that until that happens. Uh, I, I imagine he probably has in mind who, who will be his running mate. Uh, some people speculate, uh, um, oh, what is her name? Um, it's, it's a brilliant uh, lady. She's uh, the vice president of the Legislative Assembly. I think uh, Suesi Callejas, I think her name is. She's a very, uh, very good person, very capable person. So some people speculate that she might be it or uh, Milena Mayorga who's the um, ambassador to the U.S. would be a, a good running mate but we really don't know. Gotcha well Jaime you've been very generous with your time and I really appreciate you coming on and sharing the knowledge of everything going on in El Salvador with, with uh, not only just the Bitcoin policy but with everything and uh, with that, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you and what you got going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, like my main gig still my full-time job. So like I do this for fun. And uh, so you can find me on Twitter, uh, Jaime W. Garcia uh, handle. Um, and uh, yeah, and Bitcoin Magazine, if you just uh, search my name, there, there should be a, a handful of articles for you to read. I think they all remain super super relevant with everything that's going on and and you know i would just maybe finish off by saying that i still encourage everybody including all salvadorians to to uh put a little bit of your stack away put it on a, a cold storage um self-custody don't don't leave it on the exchanges make sure you have full custody and if you don't know how to do that you know, dive in. There's plenty of research, both in English and Spanish. And so, you know, that's the only true way, uh, because at the end of the day, yeah, Bukele might be uh, the, you know, a good person for the country right now. But if it's not him or if it's somebody else or or even if he turns sour, uh, you know, you still need to be able to have your money in your in, in your custody. Right. So. 
Yeah, amen to that. That's a great point. And uh, Jaime's Twitter and his latest article and his link on Bitcoin Magazine is all going to be in the show notes. So be sure to check it out there. And yeah, give him a follow on Twitter. He does great spaces, uh, both in English and Spanish. I know you jump into you know, my space every now and then as well. So I always appreciate that. So I look forward to connecting with you more in the future. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll have you back on after uh, Bukele uh, maybe does his like reg resignation or something along those lines. Sounds good. Thanks, Brandon.